this week on the Iowa Watch Connection. That is a trust me argument. I mean, I think there are still issues out there that they're probably trying to work with. The election is over. Now the focus is on governing. Absolutely, there's money in that budget for education, for human services, for mental health, for our court systems, for the prison systems. Differing views between and within parties. You know, you have so many re uh, resources that are going to come into you, and then you have to appropriate those in the most responsible way for the taxpayer. The 2019 Iowa Legislative Session, our topic this week. The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein. There's so much focus these days on campaigns and elections that often the ultimate goal of governing can be forgotten. But in barely a month, on Monday, January 14th, 2019, the 88th Iowa General Assembly will gavel into session. Both Republicans and Democrats are now planning strategy, since what were variables a month ago are known quantities now. The governor will be a Republican. Republicans will maintain majority numbers in both the Iowa Senate and Iowa House. In other words, the same situation as was in place two years ago when the prior General Assembly began. Iowa Watch and the Daily Iowan sponsored a forum this past week in Iowa City featuring members of the Iowa Legislature, and it was clear that while no official partisan plans have been announced, members have a good sense of what they want to accomplish. I am for expanding our cannabis laws uh, drastically. I think that there's a board that's a nice start, but the ailments are so limited. Um, I, I just it, it it just befuddles me that we're not further along right now in public sentiments in the 80s right now. So I will be voting for any amendment that expands our cannabis law and hope for an actual substantive bill. Um, in our small towns, EMS is, is in a significant amount of struggle right now, and I'm continuing to look for uh, sources of funding for our small town uh, EMS ambulances. Um, I will be pushing hard for an animal cruelty bill. I think along the the world of mental health. If someone has the predisposition that they're able to actually torture a kitten or a puppy, they're probably going to graduate to humans someday. And then finally, I uh, have been chosen as chair of the state government committee, uh, which is quite an honor. It's one of the most substantive policy committees in the state. Um, all the bills on licensure, uh, there's a huge gambling bill coming up with fantasy sports. All those things are going to go through my committee. But the one thing, I just gave this quote to the AP. I'm going to give it to all of you right now. There will be zero IPERS bills, period. End of story, end of discussion, no tweaks, no changes. I'm not even going to entertain changing the punctuation marks in the IPERS language. I just want to make that crystal clear. As a chair of the committee, that comes from that will not be happening. That state representative Bobby Kaufman of Wilton. That issue concerning IPERS, the Iowa Public Employees Retirement System, popped up during the last campaign. It affects some 360,000 people in our state. At the public forum this past Wednesday, an audience member pressed Republican Representative Kaufman on IPERS, and he strongly reiterated his stand. I hear what you're saying, and what I said stands as concrete absoluteness. The thought that there ever was a big movement is fabricated, and I will stand behind that unequivocally. I have spoken to all 52 members, 353 members of my caucus in the House. Zero, not one, not two, not five, zero, zilch, not a none, have any appetite for this whatsoever. One senator filed one really stupid bill two years ago that never went anywhere, 
And that has enveloped into the conspiracy of all conspiracies. As the, as the son of the chair of the Republican Party, the chair of the state government committee, and as one of the more connected Republicans in this state, I have heard zero people ever talk about it, period, ever in private. It just doesn't happen. So I agree with you a thousand percent. I'm not trying to be combative, but I really grow tired of hearing about this inevitable IPERS is not going to be touched. It's the most solvent retirement system in the country. Also at the forum was State Representative Mary Masher, a Democrat from Iowa City. She says Democrats believe the issue is priorities and not just money. Absolutely there's money in that budget for education, for human services, for mental health, for our court systems, for the prison systems. There's money there for all of those things. It's a matter of what are your priorities. And right now, as you know, there was an election recently, right? We had worked really hard to try to flip the Iowa House and to win the governor's uh, seat and to pick up seats in the Senate. We were unable to flip the House. We did pick up five additional seats, and um, we've got a sixth one that still is being determined up in Decorah. But right now, we've got the same players in charge. And so if you want to look at how do we move forward with funding education, whether it's K-12, early childhood, community colleges, or the regents, it's a matter of who's in charge and whether they are willing to put the dollars into those areas. So when we talk about tax credits, we're obviously deciding that those are more important than funding education. Those are more important than to the leadership and the folks in charge right now than funding mental health and health care in our, our system, Medicaid. We wanted to make some changes there. I'm not sure that we're going to see those changes now that we have the same leadership we had before. So that's the reality. And so is this the new baseline? Sure. I, I don't look at it from year to year. Obviously, you have to take your revenue estimates and work with what you're given. But I think, you know, as our caucus has tried to approach the budget, trying to spend less than we take in. And so I think, you know, and that's really what it boils down to when you're putting a budget together at the state level um, and the federal level, they don't follow it nearly as close as we do, obviously. But, you know, you have so many re uh, resources that are going to come into you and then you have to appropriate those in the most responsible way for the taxpayer. That's Representative Pat Grassley of New Hartford, chair of the House Appropriations Committee. I spoke with the Republican by phone this past Friday morning. You know, we're going to take a look at things like Medicaid. You know, you brought up the governor's race. That was obviously a huge issue, not just in the governor's race, but really uh, was, was seemed like it was at a boiling point in that race. And, uh, you know, I just one thing I want the listeners to understand is Medicaid is a federal program that we get a match. So we we put money in, the feds put money in, and it isn't something that as a state we can just overnight change. Whenever we've made changes, you have to get a waiver from the federal government. And so we're, we want to make sure that um, providers are getting paid. We want to make sure that the services that should be provided are being provided. But I think it's been politicized from the standpoint it's uh, everyone just thinks that the legislature can walk in and in the first week just completely revamp Medicaid. Well, it isn't that easy. Democrats held some hope that they might take the majority in the Iowa House. Regardless, they had hope a Democrat would be in the governor's chair, but neither happened. Iowa Watch Connection affiliate KASI in Ames spoke with State Representative Beth Wessel Crochelle of Ames on election night, shortly after the results were known. 
Well, it was a really tight race. Um, I hope that we see some, you know, compromise and some work with, um, you know, Democrats um, this time because certainly over the last two years we haven't seen any of that. And I hope this was a wake-up call to her that she needs to work with both sides of the aisle. And Representative Wessel Crochelle has some ideas on what topic should be re-examined despite the fact that Republicans maintained their positions in the legislature and the governor's office. I hope that we can revisit collective bargaining. I hope that we can talk about privatized Medicaid and bring a good portion of that back into the state to make sure that everybody is getting the services that they need. I hope that um, when the Supreme Court, as I truly hope it does, overturns the six-week ban, that we don't start looking at a constitutional amendment, which I know has been threatened. Um, I, there are so many um, issues where in Iowa in the last two years we've gone to the extreme and we need to start looking at what's good for all Iowans. And this election, I hope, is a wake-up call. Even though we weren't able to make the majority, I certainly think it's time that we start looking at what's good for all Iowans, not just the, the few. James Lynch covers politics for the Gazette in Cedar Rapids. That means being based in Des Moines when the legislature is in session. We spoke this past Thursday. If you think about what Republicans ran on, legislative Republicans and the governor, there were very general concepts for the most part. Uh, you know, keep Iowa moving, make education, uh, you know, our education the best in the country. Um, you know, we're all for clean water. But, I mean, there weren't very many specifics, and I think that's where we're at right now, where the legislative leaders are probably, uh, like you said, they didn't know who was going to be governor, and so now that Kim Reynolds has won uh, a four-year term of her own, I think she's uh, probably going to be setting the agenda to some degree, and legislative leaders are, are probably um, going to defer to her to some extent that they'll, they're will they waiting to see what she wants to get done and whether it's something they can support. And I would expect that they'll be pretty much on the same page on most issues when it comes time to go to work in January. Terry Branstad had an agenda, things that he wanted to get done. I think he knew, um, you know, even before the speculation about going to China as ambassador, uh, he knew that this was going to be his last term. Um, and so there were things that he wanted to get done uh, before he left, and I think there were things he wanted to get done before he turned the reins over to uh, Kim Reynolds, who he was grooming to be his successor. Uh, and so now, you know, she's her own governor, uh, you might say, and she'll be setting the agenda. Um, and like you said, Republicans know they have up two years uh, in the majority, and uh, they don't necessarily have to do everything all at once. Uh, and, you know, since they, they've done everything, uh, you know, it, it's sort of, um, you know, what's left to be done, which some Democrats are uh, asking with a, a certain amount of trepidation, you know, what else can they do to us? Um, so I, the sense I'm getting from legislative leaders is that their appetite this year is not nearly as large as it was two years ago. Um, they talk about tweaking some of the tax changes they made in the 2018 session. Um, obviously, they know, know there are issues like funding mental health uh, programs, funding the Future Ready Iowa Workforce Program, things that they established this year, putting off funding until 2019. So there, those are some big items that they'll have to deal with, how to uh, fund those and how much funding to put into those sorts of programs.
And, of course, you've got the Democrats who I'm not sure any legislative Democrats really thought they would have a majority in either chamber. There was a path uh, to some degree, but I, I, don't, I don't know that they were terribly optimistic. They sure hoped, though, that they would be working with a governor from their party. That hasn't happened. So talk to me about the mood of the Democrats who now see their die cast for the next two years. Well, yeah, it's it's not very encouraging for them. Um, they they gained some seats in the House. I think I think there was some optimism that they could flip the House. Um, you know, it was when you're at uh, 59-41, it's a it's a big uh, hill to climb to gain control. But I think there was some optimism. They picked up a few seats, but they're still in the minority. It looks like it'll be uh, 54-46, or maybe uh, Democrats might get 45. Uh, there's that house race up in uh, northeast Iowa that's still undecided. Um, so, yeah, they're 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 in minority status again, and uh, it's going to be hard for them to impact legislation. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how they try to uh, work across the aisle, if they try to work across the aisle to influence legislation. Um, you know, I, I mean that's. The minority party, whichever one is in the minority, always talks about trying to make legislation better by offering suggestions. Um, and, you know, half of half of that equation is offering the suggestions. The other half is whether or not the majority party wants to listen and consider those um, suggestions. And, uh, you know, in, in the Senate, where Republicans increased their majority, I'm not sure that they're all that interested in listening um, to the minority party. James Lynch covers politics for the Gazette in Cedar Rapids. When we come back, the thoughts of a political scientist about the legislative session to come. That's next when the Iowa Watch Connection continues. I'm Bailey Doyle, a public relations intern at the nonprofit, nonpartisan producer of this program, Iowa Watch. Right now, Iowa Watch is part of an exciting funding opportunity through Newsmatch, a national campaign to support nonprofit journalism. Newsmatch will match every dollar you donate to Iowa Watch so that quality journalism like the Iowa Watch connection can continue. Your $25 becomes $50 in support of the in-depth, fact-based journalism. It's that easy. Please consider supporting this work by going to the donate button at the top of iowawatch.org. That web address again is iowawatch.org. And thank you for listening to our program. The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at iowawatch.org. Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. Christopher Larimer is a professor of political science at the University of Northern Iowa. His research focuses on Iowa politics. He joined me in the studio Thursday morning. Every legislative session, it always seems like there's, or at least just about every legislative session, that seems like there's an issue that comes out of nowhere that we really didn't expect. You can go back to the medical marijuana bill in 2014 or when the they decided to raise the gas tax when nobody thought they would do that. Um, that was really speed legislation, wasn't right, it? Right, yeah, exactly. And and that's, you know, and so it, it, I think it's harder to predict what that, maybe the, that main issue or that defining issue is going to be. But I think James is right in the sense that it's it's... 
You know, we're kind of at an interesting point in terms of the, the political environment because Republicans do still have unified control of state government. Um, but now we're – and they'll have that for the 2019 legislative session and the 2020 session. Um, you would expect, or at least I would expect, that whatever they have remaining on their agenda that they want to get passed, they would probably do that in the 2019 session because it's not an election year. Um, we don't know what the atmospherics around a presidential election year in 2020 are going to be, so it may be harder to get more controversial things through. So whatever they have left on their, their agenda, I would expect them to push that through this next session. It's just I'm not sure what's left, right? They, they've, they've done a lot the last couple of years in terms of economic issues, tax issues, or social issues relating to um, abortion rights. Um, there have been They've passed legislation relating to gun laws. I don't know what's left for them to push through, but whatever it is, I would expect them to do that in uh, in the 2019 session. I think... Especially with the color of victory in the rearview mirror. Right. Because you can claim mandate. Yep. You not only had the majority stay the same, but the governor was elected to a full term mm-hmm. in her own right. And right. so they can very logically say we have the political capital to get this done. Well, and I think that point about, about Governor Reynolds is an important one, too, because this is really her chance to now set her own agenda as the elected governor. And so there, this may be in, driven in large part by what she wants to get done, how she wants to define her legacy going forward, um, and what she maybe sees as, as a good opportunity to get something done this year that then, you know, thinking down the road, she can run on in 2022. It is interesting because it appears to be the prevailing wisdom of, gosh, what is there left to do? Because the last two years were so active in terms mm-hmm. of uh, the collective bargaining and all the other things. Yeah, There's talk about more tax reform. Is it something that constituents will buy into, given the fact that we have not yet seen any impact from the tax reform past in 2018, and again, that's by design. We haven't filed our taxes yet. Mm-hmm. These things haven't kicked in. That's almost going to be a trust me argument, isn't it? I think so. Um, you're right. We haven't really seen it, and and it's a complicated issue, right? I mean, I think you can generally talk about tax cuts, the need for tax reform, but uh, beyond that, it, it's going to be a complicated issue, and you're going to hear a lot of Democrats talking about well. The, the tax cuts that were passed actually go too far, particularly on the on the business side. We, we've heard that we heard that throughout the 2018 election cycle. So, I think that's that is a trust me argument. I mean, I think there are still issues out there that they're probably trying to work with. I mean, uh, there's still the issue of water quality, where we're still waiting to see kind of more action on that. Um, you know, occasionally when we heard Governor Branstad, we've we've heard uh, Governor Reynolds now talk about. Um, Rural access to broadband internet, high-speed access to internet, those are maybe a couple of less controversial issues that maybe they might try to push through in 2019 because at the end of the but day— still very costly. Very costly. But at, and at the end of the day, they need something to run on in 2020, right? I mean, Republicans still have unified control, but they lost five seats in the, in the House, so their, their margin's a little bit less there. And if that, you know, if that happens again in 2020, then, then all of a sudden they're in the minority in the Iowa House. And so I think at some point they're going to have to get something done to run on in, in 2020. The privatizing— Mm-hmm. of Medicaid, mm-hmm. a huge issue in the 2018 election. Given how the voting turned out, should the Republicans look at the election results and say, we're on the right track, people believe the way we're going with this, or do they need to look at the closeness of the race for governor, for example? Mm-hmm. And I would argue that that was the issue that Fred Hubble really ran on and, and yeah. came close, obviously. <clears throat> Do they need to do something different, or is that, again, one of those issues that 
the Democrats are really going to push because of the optics of it all? Well, yeah, I think Democrats are going to certainly talk about uh, Medicaid reform, the need for Medicaid reform in the 2019 session, because you're right, the, the optics of it, we know, you know, the, the personal stories that were, that came out during the election cycle, the, the ones that uh, Fred Hubble used throughout the election cycle, those, those resonate with voters, and they're going to remember those. And um, I think there, you know, I think for my guess is, and I haven't seen a lot of exit poll data on this, but my guess is that voters are still looking for some reform there, some action on Medicaid privatization, at least to to calm to calm voters a little bit, because I still think there's a lot of anxiety about the issue, even if you haven't been directly affected by it. You've heard stories of people affected by it, positively or negatively, and so I think uh, I would imagine that uh, Democrats are absolutely going to make this an issue in 2019. And I suppose the Republicans could say, well, the governor said there were mistakes and we had to hit the reset button and we've made changes. And and the voters apparently said, OK, we'll give you that chance. But to your point, that was then. Now, what are you going to do going forward now that you see new reports and an outgoing auditor whose report on the whole system was not all that favorable to folks in her party? That's right. And, and, and I think it's important to remember, too, uh, you know, we still had... Uh, Democrats who won statewide office. I mean, Rob Sand won, you know, as you mentioned, the statewide auditors race. And so um, these are issues that I think voters are expecting some movement, some action on, um, you know, kind of these these core issues for voters when you're talking about health care or, or Medicaid. Christopher Larimer is a professor of political science at the University of Northern Iowa. Again, the 2019 Iowa legislative session begins on Monday, January 14th. Hello, I'm Lyle Muller, Executive Director and Editor of the Nonprofit Parent of this program, Iowa Watch. It's part of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism. We've been selected for a third year to be part of Newsmatch, a national campaign supported by several notable foundations that care about nonprofit journalism and who will match every dollar you donate right now to Iowa Watch so that quality journalism from Iowa Watch can continue. Please consider giving through this great opportunity by going to the Donate button at the top of iowawatch.org. That web address again is iowawatch.org. And thank you for supporting this kind of journalism. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week. The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online, iowawatch.org.